It is great to be loved. It really is. So, and uh, it kind of leads into a little bit of what uh, what I want to talk about today, and that's part of the mission statement for uh, Victory Church here. And part of that is is uh, living an abundant life. And uh, the uh, part of the uh, saying is, we're here to help you discover and experience an abundant life in Christ. But I don't believe that a lot of you are, are living that kind of a life, living that abundant life. And so today I'm going to try and address that because I really feel like there's so much potential out here that is untapped. And I just can't imagine what it's going to look like if we could untap all the gifts that each and every one of you have and stuff today. And so that's, the, uh, that's what I believe the Lord was sharing with me to say. If we, if we look at what, uh, in the Webster's Dictionary, what the word abundant means, it means um, marked by great plenty or as, as of resources. And uh, God has lots of resources. Don't you know that? I mean, He's got a lot of resources. And He's willing to open those all up for you. He's willing to do whatever it takes for you to have those resources to live an abundant life, to live a life of victory. And, uh, you know, in John 10.10, it says that I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And that is awesome. But don't you know the verse right before, the, uh, the Scripture right before that says that He comes to, to take and destroy everything. But the Lord's saying, He's coming to destroy, but I'm coming to give you the fullest. And uh, so, are you living life in the fullest? Or, are you, or, you, or is the enemy trying to destroy everything you feel like you're doing and stuff? Um, how many times do you walk at where you work, or in your school, or even here in church, and you walk up to somebody and you say, hey, how you doing today? And right away they're saying, oh, I'm great. And they got this smile on their face and everything and stuff. But as you walk by or as you go on, you know that in their heart, really, they're really struggling. Life is really struggling for them. Even though our normal response is a person to say, yeah, I'm doing great immediately. Why is that? Why are we so false in that way as Christians? Why do we immediately lie to that person <laughs> that really cares about us? We immediately say, yeah, I'm awesome, when inside there's so much going on, so much distress. Is it because if we confess that inside of us there's something terrible going on, that we're having all this turmoil, that it's going to portray to them that it looks like we're a failure as a Christian? If we tell them really what's going on in their life, are they going to think, gee whiz, that person's really messed up. Wow, I thought they were a believer. They shouldn't be that messed up. But see, that's, that's wrong thinking. That is wrong thinking. We need to be truthful to one another. God has called us to be here for one another. And until we start being here for one another, we can't, as a body, function in the way Christ is intended for us to function and stuff. And so, 
today I'm hoping to untap some of those things that are going on in each and every one of us that we can open up. We can let Christ work in us in a way that brings glory to Him. Uh, and Paul says, you know, that he, in Philippians 4.12, says that he learned to be content in every circumstance, whether he was rich or poor. Well, we get, we get really settled in comfortable with the things in our life, whether it's things at our home, whatever it is, we get really comfortable with it. With these spiritual things that we got going on in our life, we get really comfortable with it. And then we uh, don't like to get out of that comfortable zone because, well, it's foreign area. It's foreign territory. But don't you know God is calling us every day to a new land, to a promised land? And we got to quit circling the desert. We got to quit circling the desert all the time and be willing to say, okay, Lord, take me to that new territory. Take me to that new land. What does that mean? Does it mean letting go of the things that we're really comfortable with in life? Yes, it might mean that, but not necessarily. But are you willing? Are you ready to do that? Are you willing to let go of those things that you feel like are your security blanket? We all have security blankets right now. Yeah, I bet if you just think about your own security blanket and say, yeah, yeah, I, I really like this in my life or whatever. Are you willing to let go of that? Are you willing to say, Lord, you can have me all. Take me all. I'll go that distance. Take me out of this desert I want to see something greener. I want to see something more promising in my life. Because what's going on is a lot of people are not seeing. They have a passion in their heart. I truly believe that most everyone has a passion in their heart to do really good. I believe that most people, almost all people, are created really to be good people. But something happens along that way. Or as Christians, we have this passion to see greater things. We know what God has put in us, but our eyes don't see the manifestation of what it is in our heart that we desire to see. And so it brings confusion in our minds. It's like, Lord, I know You've called me to be this or to do this, but I never see it. And then it brings confusion. And then what happens then is the enemy comes in and says, ah, you're a loser. God never called you. God's not put any gifts in you. You have no gifts from the Lord. And the enemy just keeps stirring that pot. You know I'm talking to you. And he just keeps stirring that pot and he keeps stirring that pot until we feel like we are not the people that we thought we were called to be. But I'm telling you, that is a lie. God has put in you, each and every one of you, you've got some amazing things that you can share with other people, that you can give away. And what's the purpose of having them is to give them away to others so that we can build up the body, that we can grow, that we can lift up one another. And the spirit of condemnation that is so rampant amongst people, you know, that is not of Christianity. Condemnation comes from the enemy. It does not come from the Lord. He condemns no one. Only conviction. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a favorite verse, and everyone pretty much knows it. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, 
says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. There's nothing in there that says, I want to beat you down, tear you up, or rip you up. No, he wants to help us. He wants us to live a life of abundance of great things. But there's three things that I feel like I'm going to address today that gets in the way of that. Three pitfalls of life. The first thing is is that you can't live in the past. We keep trying to live in the past no matter what it is. We keep going back there. And the past is the past. How many times have you went to do something for somebody or pray for somebody and what's the first thing that comes to your mind is something that maybe you did in the past that wasn't so honorary and the enemy's like, boom, you remember that? And you're like, oh, here I am. I'm trying to pray for this person. Hey, that's a bunch of baloney. You gotta, that's the past. That has nothing to do with the future, folks. We gotta let the past be the past and let the Lord give us the promises of the future. Okay? So we can't live in the past. And that's the very thing that the enemy tries to do. He tries to always put us in the past. Forget the past. Let's look to the future, okay? It's a lot brighter. It doesn't matter what happened back whenever and stuff. In Second Corinthians 5.17, it says, God says that we are new creations, and then the old is gone, and the new has come. Hallelujah. We serve a great I am. Not a great I was or a great maybe. It's the great I am. Yes. And He is the great I am. He is willing to share His part of Him with you to make you good also. But many times we become comfortable with our past and we want to stay there even though we have misery there. We'll go back to misery. Why? Because it's comfortable. I've been there several times. I know my surroundings. I like being there. Yeah, it gets ugly there. It's misery. And you ask yourself, why do I keep going back there? It's ridiculous. we gotta, we got to really think about what we're doing. Get out of the uh, old rut and move on. God's all about newness. God is such a creative God. He gives us something fresh all the time. He's so creative. I mean, just look at the creation of the world, and we know that He is such a, an amazing, creative God. And... Uh, there's nothing impossible for God to do. It has, the, living in the past has major drawbacks. And first, when we live in the past, we quickly become dissatisfied with our lives. That's because we're not living in the future promises of God. That's why we become dissatisfied with our life. Instead of being thankful in all things, we fuss wishing for what we used to have and wishing for what used to be can be a dangerous thing. It really can. The second thing is that we're operating on our timetable and not on God's timetable. How many of you, I'm not asking you to raise hands, but have a schedule every day? I'm sure a lot of you that are really busy, you have an agenda, you even keep a calendar, you maybe keep it on your phone or your iPad or whatever, of your schedule of your day. But I'm wondering, on that agenda anywhere, do you actually put 
my time with Papa God? Do you actually put in there any time during that day, this will not be violated. I will set this time to spend with the Papa Father. I'm not going to let interruptions. I'm not going to let whatever come in. And, you know, it's so easy. It is so easy to have that time where we say every day we're going to spend time with the Lord, but we allow some silly thing to creep in. And then you go, okay, well, I'll do it later. Later comes, something else comes up. And you don't do it then either. And this perpetuates all through the day until the evening. And then you're like, I'm exhausted. I don't have... If I sit down and read now, if you're like me, if you read when you're tired, it's a sure way to go to sleep. <laughs> and one thing I've learned is putting a Bible on my head, it doesn't soak in. I wish it did. I would be a master at the Scriptures if it did. So we've really got to set time for the Lord. We've really got to set that time in our schedule for the Lord. And I realize there are going to be days where something maybe does come up. But we got to be on God's timetable, not our own timetable, because He has a specific plan for us every day. If we want to live a life for Him every day, don't you think we need to check in with Him and see what He wants us to do? See what He wants to tell us? It's kind of hard for Him to tell us if we don't communicate with Him. So it's really important that we get on God's timetable and not our own. We get discouraged so easy when... uh, when things don't go the way that we think it should. Uh, you know, we get discouraged. Have you been, you know, maybe you've been waiting something from God. And you get, you've been discouraged. You've been waiting maybe for that, for a baby. Or you've been wishing for a new car or a new house or a promotion to be recognized. Or a husband or a wife. Or maybe even you're looking at having your own ministry And you just like, you know the Lord has called you to be something, but yet all this confusion of why it hasn't happened. And therefore, the spirit of doubt starts coming in. And it starts destroying your drive and your ambition for what you were going to do for the Lord because you feel like, well, maybe I missed it. Maybe maybe I didn't hear correctly. Maybe, uh, Maybe this wasn't what the Lord wanted after all. In Luke 11.11, it says, His ways are not our ways, but if we ask for bread, will He give us a stone? If we ask for fish, will He give us a serpent? Absolutely not. God gives us good things to those who ask. It's just that He might not get them right away to us. Also, we'll look differently than what we're expecting. Because a lot of times, as you know, when we pray, we've already figured out how God's going to answer, right? We are so wise, we are, that we know exactly what God's going to, how He's going to answer this, so we think. And then that way doesn't happen, and then we're like, well, I missed it, or He didn't deliver, or whatever and stuff. And so we've got to really be open to what it is uh, God's way, not our way. And... Uh, I think that's where we get discouraged and we lose, lose out on a lot of things of the promises of God that He has for us. Obedience is very important. Uh, I'm reminded of the story of Abraham and Sarah. 
You know, Abraham and Sarah was promised a son. Sarah was way past her age. And God said, I'm going to give you a son. And uh, so they waited and they waited and they waited. And Sarah got the wisdom of thinking that, um, well, he surely meant uh, in a different way. And so she got the idea that her maidservant, Hagar, would be was the chosen one. And he sh- uh, she should give Hagar, her maidservant, to Abraham. And, and so she did. And they came together, and then they had a son named Ishmael because they were not patient. They didn't wait, and they weren't obedient. It wasn't like God told them at all. And that's one of those things that this very day, this world is suffering because of that very act right there of the Ishmaels in the world, the group ISIS. Now, I'm not saying if you don't wait and you're not obedient that it'll have the same effect as that, but it might have a big effect in your own personal life if you're not obedient, if you're not doing exactly to the T what God told you to do. That doesn't mean we have to be perfectionists. I'm not saying that. There's no way we can be perfectionists. But we need to be obedient. We need to listen to what God has told us. And we need to stand firm on that. And even though it's not coming the way it should look like, we still need to just stand on what the Lord said and wait for his perfect timing. I love in uh, Psalms 37.4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Some of you have been saying, I've been wanting the desires of my heart to happen for years and it hasn't happened. Is it possible that you've been looking for the wrong thing? Is it possible that because you weren't obedient to the small things that the bigger things haven't come? This is, this is the thing that I'm getting at is that we need to really listen and we need not to let uh, the cloud of doubt get in the way and stuff because that's where the enemy comes in. And, and uh, the, one of the last points I'm going to make here uh, is that you must never let fear rule. Fear is the other thing that comes in. God knows that we as humans can get pretty wound up about our day-to-day living, which is why there are so many verses in scriptures which proclaims its essence, fear not or take courage. I love those verses. They're all throughout scripture. Joshua is a big one about fear not, take courage, be strong. And as you keep reading there, he says not only be strong, he says be very strong. Why does he tell us that? He knows that we have to be very strong to come against the, the advocate, who the one who's trying to, to come against us. But he's saying, do it. I'm with you. When you do that, you're going to see amazing things. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God reign in our hearts. If we don't have peace in our hearts, in our own hearts, how can we share peace with others? How can we tell others to have peace? How can we love others if we're not walking in love? These are things we need to think about and, and look at and stuff. And so um, it's easier said than done, I know. But 
in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God says that he's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a love of power and of a sound mind. I know some days I ask him about that sound mind part for myself because I really question that. But praise God, I like that scripture anyway. So <laughs> it's good. You know, there may be various junctures in our lives where we can let our hearts become troubled, especially when our safety net has been threatened. Maybe, maybe you're going through financial challenges or some sort of marital discord or job insecurities or health issues or you have changing life situations, or dreams become seemingly more elusive than ever. And we have a tendency of doing what Peter did when he stepped out of the boat. We focus on those issues. And we start talking about those issues in our life. We start talking about nothing but whatever it is that's trying to really pull us down. But... Don't you know, we have a God bigger than those issues, and we need to be talking about how big our God is, not how big our troubles are. And when we start talking about how big our God is, those troubles will start going away. I'm not saying they'll go away overnight, but I'm saying when we start saying and declaring to God how big He is, that He's much bigger than our troubles, then now we've named the authority that we've, we are obeying to. But when you start talking about nothing about your troubles, you're now giving power to that problem. We need to reverse it. We need to start talking about how big God is and the power that He has. And Hebrews 13.8 says, we, we forget that our advocate Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even though we may not see it in turbulent times of our lives, we have to remember that God is always in control. In Jude one twenty four, it says he will keep us from, from falling, and he will not give us more than we can bear. And I know sometimes that seems to be measured uh, at a different level than what we think our measurement is, but uh, he will always be with us. When we live one day at a time, understanding that God sets our course and we let his peace rule in our hearts, the abundant life is ours, no matter what our age, rank, circumstance, hang-ups, or failures are ours. I know every one of you have some gift in your life that God has blessed you with. And some of you have more than one, actually. I know that for a fact. And we're all called to be ambassadors of Christ. We're all called to be ministers of the Lord. Um, And sometimes life can get very confusing, like I say, if we don't see what we know our gifts are, if we don't see those manifesting in our life, we get confused because our eyes are not seeing what our heart feels. And so we get confused. And like I say, the enemy tries to really hinder us. And so, you know, until we all start operating really efficiently in our gifts, this church uh, won't experience the explosion love of the Lord like it could. Uh, there's amazing things that the Lord is going to do in this church, and it's all going to be through every one of you, believe it or not. It's not, the, it's not just the leadership. Trust me. You, every one of you, is very important to the ministry of this church. 
And you say, well, I don't want to be part of the ministry of this church. I'm sorry. You, <laughs> you are whether you want to be or not. And uh, in uh, 1 Peter 4.10, it says, God has given each of you a gift from, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now, maybe you're not going to be speaking up front, or you're not going to be doing whatever, but you have a specific gift that the Lord wants to use in you. And you say, well, I don't you know, necessarily know that for sure and stuff. Well, you do. And also the Lord is going to use that to help your family. Your family is going to benefit by you experiencing the gifts that you have. And maybe the people you work with. You know, maybe you're not going to do so much just bold ministry, but as you go to work, as those gifts work through you, maybe you can't, you know, stand up on your desk and start proclaiming the name of the Lord. That might get you in trouble. But they're going to see something. When you, when you have the love of the Lord working through you, they're going to see that in you. And they're going to say, there's something about that person that I just really, really like. And you may not be proclaiming the Word that much, but your actions will show it when you're filled with the Word of God. And uh, so that is your ministry. That will be your ministry, and that's, that's what you're called to do. Um, but many of your spiritual gifts have not been awakened because somebody needs to awaken them in you because you feel like, Again, you're not worthy or that you haven't been told that you have gifts. You have things that are uh, happening around you that you cannot explain. I think a lot of people have spiritual gifts. <clears throat> and the Lord is trying to speak to you, but you're so unused to the way he's trying to speak to you that you don't hear him. And you're saying, well, the Lord never does anything. I never hear him. I, he doesn't. Uh, show up in any sort of way. I think it's a lot of that is because the Lord is always trying to do something different, and the noise of the world is drowning it out all the time, and you just haven't learned what it is that He's trying to do in your life. Trust me, if you're trying to have a relationship with the Lord, He's showing Himself to you in some way every day. He's trying to speak to you in some way, either through other people, through His Word. Or he's also, there's just something going on miraculously around you that your eyes are not catching because you're not used to that. You haven't been trained to listen in that way. Um, I like in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially you may prophecy. And you're like, well, why is Paul telling everybody I wish you would prophesy? That now, when you prophesy, it doesn't mean that you're a prophet. But the Scripture also says that all may prophesy. Yeah, every one of you, every one of you that's a believer, you all may prophesy. It may some of you may have it at a different level than others. But what about prophecy? What is prophecy? Prophecy is lifting up, encouraging, exalting one another. That's what prophecy is, and it's from the Lord, and, and the Lord speaks that through you to speak to somebody else because they need to hear it verbally out loud. Wow. It don't, you don't have to be in the world very long to know that the world is full of negative, angry, 
frustrative people. And it comes on us. It tries to come on us very much. And so what better way than for us to have prophecy happening where we speak encouraging words to one another? How many of you ever get tired of hearing an encouraging word from somebody? Yeah, it doesn't happen, does it? It just doesn't happen. And so I think that's a great thing of what Paul's saying there is that we should be in the habit of listening to the Lord, encouraging one another and stuff. Or maybe you just see somebody that you're just like, dang, I wish I would have told them this. I just felt it in my heart that I wish I would have told them what I was feeling. You know what? That was probably from the Lord. Don't be afraid to share that with them. Tell them about that and stuff so that they know. Because it's, what's it going to hurt if it's, if it's truly a good word from the Lord? <clears throat> uh, you and this church will not function to its capacity unless you hunger to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the church is going to grow very fast when we start operating all of our spiritual gifts and you start seeing signs and wonders happening. You know, there's not a greater evangelistic tool than seeing signs and wonders happen in a church because the people outside start hearing about that or if they're coming and they start seeing signs and wonders happening, they're right away going, this is unique. This is real. This is something tangible that I can see. And boy, they want a part of that. They're like, I want to join that. I want to know the Lord Jesus Christ, if this is what He's about. And so that's why it's important for all of us as a church to operate at our capacity and our gifts. The, uh, one of the downfalls is, though, that with spiritual gifts, uh, a lot of people want spiritual gifts, but that's what they're chasing. Uh, it was we're chasing spiritual gifts. But we need to chase God. We need to chase the Heavenly Father. And when we chase the Heavenly Father, then these gifts that the Lord has given us will rise up. So we can't get those mixed. Chase the Heavenly Father. And the gifts that are in you will rise up. I guarantee it. I just guarantee it. They'll start rising up. And you'll become somebody more at peace with yourself, more at peace with others. And when you go out into the world and somebody spews ugliness on you, you're like, oh, that's too bad. They're so angry. And you won't take that anger on yourself because your spirit won't allow it. And that is God at work. That is God at work. And every one of you are able to do that. Unfortunately, like I say, people have learned to tune out the things that God is trying to tell us and don't understand. But that time with the Father will bring that all together. There's, uh, I'm going to close with this. I know I said I was going to close a little while ago, sort of, but uh, this is uh, this one verse here I'm going to read here. 
And it's always inspiring. And it's in 1 Kings 18, 41 through 46. And it's a story about Elijah. And I want you to listen to this very closely because there's more to it, I think, than what most people read when, when you read this. Now, this is a period when uh, there had been a drought in the land for three and a half years. There had been absolutely no rain because Elijah had called for no rain. But it was coming to an end of that three and a half years. And this is where this, the verse picks up, verse 41. And it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Caramel. And then he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And so he went up and he looked and he said, There is nothing. And, he, and seven times he said, Go again. Okay, now I'm going to stop right here. So Elijah, there was absolutely no clouds in the sky. It wasn't raining. It wasn't doing anything. But he said, there's a sound of abundance rain. He heard rain. But he didn't hear it in the physical. He heard it in the spiritual. See, he was listening. We got to be listening. Because God is always doing something in the heavens. He's always doing something in the spiritual realm before it manifests on earth. We got to be listening to what the Lord is saying. Elijah was listening. All right, let's go on with the rest of the story. This is really good. Again, so he went up seven times and he said, well, go again. And then it came up on the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud and it's small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And so he said, go up. Say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Okay, he's seen a little itty-bitty cloud out over the sea. And he's telling him, get ready to go because it's going to pour. Now, is that faith? That is faith. All right. I don't care what you say. That is faith. And I love it. So that's what he did. And also, uh, you know, Elijah had been in what's called the birthing position. Now, I realize for you women, you know more about that than I do. But that was... That was what you call that. He was, had his head between his knees, and he was praying. He was trying to birth this into action. So now it happened on verse 45. So now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran ahead, he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Awesome. I love that. So he birthed what he heard in heaven to manifest on earth. We can do similar things. We truly can. Are you listening? Are you listening to God? Are you maybe been in a birthing position yourself, trying to birth something for a long time, and it hasn't happened because it keeps getting stolen. 
Elijah heard the rain of the Spirit, not in the physical, and then he went to decree it from heaven to manifest it on earth. Well, I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, there's one other cloud on the surface today. And I'm speaking this from truth, and I know it's happening. And unfortunately, it's not a cloud from the Lord like the cloud Elijah saw of the rain. And this cloud, it's on the horizon, and it's getting very dark itself, but it's from the enemy, and it's called a cloud of doubt and discouragement. And it's rising up today, and it's trying to destroy, and it's trying to steal everything that people are trying to birth through the supernatural, through God. The doubt and discouragement has tried to come on so many people today and steal everything that God is trying to do through you. And I know a lot of you are suffering with this cloud, and it's moving fast, and it's moving fast across the nations. And today, I'm just hoping that today, because of bringing this to the fact that whatever it is in your life that you're trying to, to birth, whatever it is that you've been discouraged in, that we can break off that cloud of doubt and discouragement in your life. Life may seem frustrating to you, but I'm praying for a release of something today in your life that's going to change from here on. It's going to start activating things in your life that haven't been activated, that you knew in your heart that's always been there. But cloud of doubt and discouragement's been stealing it. In Hebrews 2, 3, and 4... Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. I'm just going to close in prayer right now. And if there's something in your life that... Um, you've been really struggling with that you just feel like the Lord has called you to do or maybe there's just something in your life one of those frustrations that I mentioned one of those challenges in your life I'm just going to pray for the whole body here and I pray that you come in agreement with me if you have something going on in your life like that. And we're going to break that off today. And we're just going to believe for this new season here. What a great way to go into the season of celebrating Christ's birth than to give birth to something that He's trying to be in birth through you. Okay? Father, I just thank You, Lord, for this group of people. And I thank You, Heavenly Father, Lord, that You love each and every one of us in amazing ways. And Father, I pray today, right now, as the enemy has tried to destroy, he's tried to come and give us so much doubt and discouragement and everything that you're trying to do through each one, I just break off that now in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, for every person in here who's truly coming in agreement with this, that Heavenly Father, Lord, the desires of their heart will come to be so now. And I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that there's new fruit that's about ready to bear in this church. And the Lord, that this church will stand up to your name and give you glory for the good things that you're going to do. We just pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.